Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. You got a franchise player. Happy Friday. You're in the huddle with franchise players powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio. JP Money alongside my partner Ryan Stone. Glad to have you with us on WTOB, WCOG, and TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, wherever you are listening today. Later on, we'll have Joe Serrera with us to preview tonight's high school football action. That's about 45 minutes from now, but we're going to start, Ryan, with college football. And we will start this week talking about. Appalachian State. What a what? Yeah, what an unbelievable upset uh, this Saturday. Well, it's unbelievable, kinda. Do you know why? I know you know why. If you were tuned in last week, what did you say, Ryan? I literally said nineteen points was too much in that game, and I said twenty-one points was too much in Marshall and Notre Dame. <laughs> And both those teams won. <laughs> and you, you had reason to gloat this weekend. 17-14, the final. Um, Amani Marshall, former East Forsyth product, scores in College Station in his first season as a Mountaineer. Uh, it's just a, a, a great story, again, for Appalachian State, especially after the heartbreak they endured uh, against North Carolina. And now, for some reason... Game day, college game day is going to be at App Saturday for their game against Troy. I, I I feel like I feel like they were originally planning to go to College Station for Miami Texas A and M, and then App State beat Texas A and M, and I feel like that was a last second decision to go to App State because they beat them. And I think one thing that happens there, because I'm glad I'm not going to slight them one bit for getting college game day, but you know what that does for Wake versus Clemson at home next week. Probably can't, takes it out, yeah. Yeah, that probably takes it out, and and they flexed it to a noon kick. So, yeah, uh, so that, it's definitely out. <laughs> it's definitely out. Um, one thing I, I wanted to, to talk about was it's funny, Texas loses at the last second to Alabama. They found a way to uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And I, I, they vault into the top 25. Texas A&M at home, the number six team in the country, gets beat by App State, and App State doesn't get into the top 25. Is that just brand awareness, you think? Well, it's, I mean, it's that App State's one and one. I mean, I think... You know, it's an impressive win to go to College Station and win, but they also gave up 63 points to North Carolina the week before, and that's a North Carolina team that struggled with Georgia State this past weekend. So, I mean, you do you can't just completely forget about the first game just because 
they went down and had a really impressive win at Texas A&M. And I, I really – I don't know that Texas A&M is going to be ranked after this weekend anymore anyway. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. You think uh, – well, we're going to get there. Well, we'll get to what you think about this weekend's action. Uh, since you mentioned it, I'll, I'll go down my list a little bit, and we'll talk about it. UNC 35, Georgia State 28. I'll admit I had no idea what the final was for a long time in this game, and I was shocked that they only came out with 35 points and a seven-point win at Georgia State. I, I What's wrong with the Carolina defense? It's not even the defense. They're just having a tough time finishing games. Like they got up, got up by a couple scores again in this one going into the second half, and then the wheels kind of came off, and Georgia State got right back in it. So I mean, that's the you know that's the two out of three games this season that Carolina has had a double digit lead or more, and they just haven't been able to. Uh, to pull away or finish it off now and to continue a point that you started last week it ain't drake may 19 of 24 no, it's not. <laughs> 19 of 24 284 yards two touchdowns okay and his running back omarion hampton 110 yards two touchdowns and i i really you know drake may is not is executing when he's called on to execute so i wonder if their lack of finishing doesn't also involve um play calling which for a while wake forest had a problem going way too conservative in the second half when they had big leads and i, I don't know i don't know if that's I, part I think- of the problem I think youth is a big part of the problem. I think, you know, a lot of times when you can't finish finish opponents off or, and pull away, a lot of times that's kind of the that's kind of the mark of a young team. Um, which they are. So, I think I, I think you know, I think the the hope obviously for Mac Brown and company is that they learn from these early season games and don't have these problems once they get into conference play. Next up for the Heels, they get a well-deserved uh, week off because they did start in week zero. But they the next up, they're home versus Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. I don't even know what to think there. I have no idea what to think. I, well, I, Notre Dame's quarterback is hurt. Yeah. Um, we'll see what, see what Notre Dame – Notre Dame should win this week. They play Cal. We'll see what they look like. I It's going to be – Really interesting. I I don't because I you know you're going to be looking at another Dame team that they were ranked number five preseason. If they fall to one and three by Notre Dame standards, the season is almost over. Well, and it's, it's over now. Marcus Freeman, they're, they're and, Marcus Fre- and, and, Marcus, and Marcus Freeman is if you start one and three, people might start looking at him funny. Oh boy, yeah. I don't even want to think about it. Not that it's just not not that it's just not that that's justified. I understand, but yes. it's Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, let's talk about happier things, such as now number nineteen ranked Wake Forest goes to Nashville, takes care of Vandy, forty-five twenty-five. That's not necessarily the story. The story is Sam Hartman uh, gets his first action in in quite a while goes 18 of 27 300 yards four touchdowns uh next up for the deeks this weekend liberty and uh <laughs> somehow there's a de- liberty defensive lineman did you see this 
You need. Are you yes, there? I saw this. You, you saw this. Okay. He, he's yes, during the yes. press conference talking about they run that slow mesh and something about knocking Sam down or knocking Sam out. That that may not end well. I, I mean, Liberty's well. I don't think it's going team. to end well. <laughs> And, and the, I don't think it's going it, to it. It sounds well. like we might hear more about this matchup later in the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the big th- part, the big thing about this game is if the Deeks win this game tomorrow, the Deeks go three and zero into the game against Clemson, uh, and that's yep. huge. And that, that and that's huge. And because that's a noon kickoff. Uh, which is helpful. Uh, I know the Deke fans would rather have a primetime game against Clemson, but the last thing I want, being a Winston-Salem resident for a very long time, is for that Clemson crowd to have an entire day to get tanked up on whatever spirits they brought (laughs) with them in the truck and have that go in and have them be loud and rowdy at kickoff time. No, let's do it at noon. Let's do it at noon, because that way, if it's bad, we've forgotten about it by four o'clock. Does that make sense? I, I, I don't know that people have forgotten about it, um, but I mean, look. First yeah. of all, they got to get they got to go three. They got to go three and zero. Oh. I, I I understand that. Yes, I understand. So, um, there there is a rabid dog in Monday Studios at the moment. You ever have that problem? Is it? I've never had that problem. I can, That's I can interesting. Say. I, I, here, here's something that I don't. Uh, here's something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Duke 31, Northwestern 23. Yeah, that's, that's a lot higher scoring than I thought it was going to be. Ten carries for Jordan Waters, 91 yards, two touchdowns. That makes that makes the Devils two and zero on the season. And next up. They've got the North Carolina A&T Aggies, and you and I both love the Aggies, but this year's football team's down. I and mean, Duke's <laughs> Duke's win prop to start the season was three and a half. If they win the game against A&T, all they have to do is win one ACC game to, <laughs> to go over that. And I think that's doable. I think they're playing decent defense. Uh, yeah. They're playing decent defense. Yeah, I think – uh, Okay, I think Oko's got them heading in the right direction. I feel like, and it, the reason I'm really high on I'm really high on Duke actually having some success is is that I think that I, I don't know if you've ever seen a game in Wallace Wade. Um, Wallace Wade on a Saturday afternoon has got these nice wide concourses, and it's a nice place to go watch a game. And it's nice when there's a lot of people there. It's a good tailgating scene, and it just helps. The more people in a conference that are pretty good, that are competitive, it just makes it that much more exciting. So a good job by Mike Elko and the Devils. Um, And then, of course, down the street from them, Number 16, North Carolina State, 55, Charleston Southern, 3. There's nothing to say about that game except for the fact that, you know, North Carolina State's got to play Texas Tech next. What is that's the spread be, on I that? I think that's – this is going to be – it's around nine and a half, ten. I think this is going to be an interesting test for this NC State team, the way they struggled against East Carolina. Now, it's a Saturday night game, all right, and – in Raleigh, it's at the Carter. 
that, that that's going to be a wild crowd. That's going to be a very yeah. wild crowd. But I'm with you. I, I'm not convinced. I'm still – you guys might have beaten Charleston Southern like you should have on Saturday, but my, my eyes are still in Greenville where you came out flat and didn't look yeah. didn't look very good. So I, I have a feeling, once again yeah, – I, I mean, I agree. I, I think – and Texas Tech and Texas Tech is coming off an impressive win over Houston. So, I, you know, I think that they, they, have, uh, they have a lot of momentum going into this matchup. The other thing that's really um, exciting right now is, or the, what's exciting coming out of this week, is the ACC as a conference didn't embarrass itself this weekend, save for uh, UVA getting blasted at Illinois. Now, you know, shout out Spencer Turkin and his alma mater. Good job fighting Illini. Nobody likes Virginia anyway. But I, I mean, you can't, you can't go, you can't go up there and lose to to Illinois. Illinois is like the. Illinois is the value brand, is great value vanilla wafers of college football. Prove Ooh. me wrong. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, you know, I'm just, that's not what I, that's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're interesting. I just, that wouldn't have come to my mind. They're going to. I think they would. They got Brett, right? They got Belima or whatever. The guy who couldn't hack it at Arkansas. Belima, yeah. Belima, excuse me. Thank you. Yeah, Belima. I mean, it's a Big Ten. I really don't care if it's not Southern football. Um, so, Virginia Tech gets their win. They so had to win their game Saturday against Boston College. But what they've done is put Jeff Hathley officially on the hot seat. And I didn't necessarily think he was going to end up there based on his first couple of seasons. And now here we are. Is that a, Do you think that's a, a coaching staff thing, a coaching thing, or is it a recruiting thing? Um, you know, they come back home and just annihilate Boston College. So uh, to lose the that game the way that they did, I think it's pretty clear that they they have quite a few problems in that program right now. Yeah, and I and I worry and wonder if the one of them isn't you know has halfly lost the locker room or is it just one of those locker rooms that doesn't necessarily get along with one another because this is a Boston College team that returned its starting quarterback Phil Yurkovich still the card is still the quarterback there so they had yeah. in theory some foundation for some success. But it it looks like that's uh, that's a disaster right now, and there's no shame also in Pitt. Pittsburgh hosted uh, Tennessee, uh, lost in overtime. Uh, Pitt lost their quarterback at some point. I was told, uh, and you were busy watching Marshall and Notre Dame when all that was going on, and I was busy with Air Force. But uh, you know, that's a great win for Tennessee. And it's and I think what it does is shows how good a program Pat Narduzzi has built at Pitt. I mean that's a that's a good they're an ACC football program. I think. Yeah, I mean they won it last year, so it's hard to hard to argue. I mean, and they you know since he's been there, I believe I believe Aaron Donald came out under him. I believe um, Kenny Pickett. Played. So, I mean, he's produced some NFL guys. Um, you know, they won the ACC championship, or yeah, won the ACC championship last year. They were 
kind of a dark horse pick to to win it again this year, despite losing their starting quarterback. And when people have uh, have that kind of expectation for you, despite you know having considerable losses going coming back from the previous year, that's usually a pretty good sign that your your program is uh, is on the way up or well respected. Uh, speaking of not very well respected, um, but a shout out goes to Scott Frost um, getting paid. Uh, he gets fired, uh, loses terribly to Georgia Southern at home. He was not set up for success there, and now everybody thinks he's a bad coach despite his coaching his coaching resume. So I hope he takes his. I think it's twelve million dollars. I hope he gets some. I hope he makes an addition to his house. Hope he gets his wife some nice jewelry and takes a vacation uh, and enjoys his vacation away from Lincoln, Nebraska. Because there's no way in hell I want that job. None. Not with that fan base. That's 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 uh yeah. I don't I don't know who they're gonna hire. Um I know Matt Rule's name has been mentioned. Uh, um <laughs> Yeah, Panthers Matt fans Campbell's are all about that. Comes up. You know I yeah, they, I I mean after watching the game playing on Sunday, I, I don't blame them. Uh, yeah. but, <laughs> but I you know, Matt Campbell's name always comes up when Big Ten jobs come open, so Yet he's never His moved. His name has obviously come up again, but I, I, yeah, but he's in a little bit. He's in a little bit of a rebuilding situation now. Yeah, at Iowa State, he he lost he lost three NFL players for last year's team, and I you know he might be wondering is that as good as it's going to get here at Iowa State? So. Yeah, you, and you, have, you have people talking about Dave Clawson too, and Dave Clawson A is too smart for this business. Like he has no business being a head football coach anyway, just because he's so smart. B, no, he's not going to Nebraska. No, he'll number one. He's never he's not talking his wife into going. That's why. Can how you imagine, old, how old is Dave Clawson now? He's not. I mean, let's see. You consider me old, but he's not. Dave Clawson's not sixty yet. He's in his fifties. His kids are out of the house. I, he's not going anywhere. It's not even worth discussing. I don't know. No, I don't think he's leaving. I I don't know why he would. He's built he's built a better program where he's at right now. He is fifty five years old. Yeah, I, I can't even. No, his team can beat Nebraska right now by three yeah, touchdowns easily. Yeah. It wouldn't. It, it wouldn't be that close, honestly. Yeah, so gonna... yeah, again, that's why I don't. He's already built a better program where he's at. So why would you leave? I don't. It's a I, good don't I don't see why that would happen. Excellent point. All right, coming up, we're talking depth about what we saw and what we didn't see in the Panthers opener against the Browns. I also have a feeling we'll get some stone cold locks. You better listen, because you could have made some money last week. You're listening to the franchise players, powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio. You got a franchise player.
JP Monday, Ryan Stone. Carolina Panthers 24, Cleveland Browns 26. I watched this game, Ryan. I did. And and, and I don't watch NFL games. I don't watch a lot of NFL games. But because it is our duty to the community to make sure we are invested in what our local teams do, I watched this game. This was torture for a half. Agreed? Yeah, I mean, if you're a care, if you were rooting for the Panthers, especially like it was, it was awful. They couldn't stop anybody. The offensive game plan was terrible for Baker Mayfield. Like, you can't really blame Baker Mayfield for that because if you ever watched Baker Mayfield when he was successful at with the Browns, that's not how he was successful. So I don't know what the offensive game plan was going into that game, but it wasn't. It wasn't what it needed to be. I thought he threw an inordinate amount of passes, but he it was he was yeah. six, he was sixteen of twenty seven. That's not a lot of passes. He threw for two hundred thirty five yards, a touchdown, and an interception. But two hundred thirty five yards. I know one of those was a seventy five yard toss, and I think another one was a thirty six yard toss. So I. They weren't going downfield all that much. McCaffrey, your your bell cow, as it were, gets ten carries for thirty three yards. He also caught four balls. Deontay Freeman, two carries, and our boy Chuba Hubbard carried the ball one time. And our favorite and our yeah. favorite producer Desmond Johnson says that well the Panthers have a run offensive line, but they were passing. I I don't agree with him. I think in the NFL you have an offensive line, and you better be able to do both. But well, that was terrible. I, I think with Baker Mayfield, you you have to run to set up the pass. He is better off the play action. They didn't do that. They went the complete opposite way in the first half. I think Christian McCaffrey had five touches in the first half, which is just ridiculous. What were you saving him for in the preseason to only give him the ball five times in the first half? <laughs> the, the other thing that I started to wonder about early, and I, I had to go to uh, profootballreference.com to, to look at these stats, Mayfield was blitzed five times, which isn't a lot. Cleveland did not run, did not supply an extra rusher, but five plays, okay? He was – Mayfield was sacked four of those times. Excuse me. Well, he was sacked four times, period. And he was hurried four times. I mean, he was under pressure basically the entire game. On the flip side, Jacoby Brissett, he was blitzed eight times. He was sacked just once. He was hurried six times. I, I And I just I yeah. think that after all the offseason – finagling and all of the praise that was heaped on Scott Fitterer for the, and the front office for making all these moves and restoring the offensive line, my feeble brain still tells me that the offensive line is still not anywhere near where it needs to be. And yeah. I, and I, I mean, they, they have a lot of work to do. And I just I don't know what that I don't know what the answer is. And I think it's a personnel thing. I don't think it's a technique thing. I don't think it's a coaching thing. I think yeah, if you start running the ball on first down, that offensive line may get 
better because that's how you build a conf- build confidence. Offensive lines love running the football. They love going down to, downhill. But I don't understand why they've got Baker Mayfield out here looking like Kevin Cobb from the Texas Tech offense run and shoot from all those years ago at Houston. You know, I don't, what do you think the answer is? I, I think you've got to you have to you have to go to what works for Baker Mayfield. You have to like Ben, ben McAdoo can't be foolish here and stubborn. You have got to tailor your offense to what your quarterback does best. You cannot make you can't squit you cannot fit a a square peg in a round hole. And it felt like that's what he was trying to do in the first half on Sunday. Uh, so we'll see if he adjusts. Another thing uh, elsewhere in the NFL that was kind of brutal to watch was this Seattle game. I uh, <laughs> that the decision to kick. Are you going for it? or Are you kicking? Look, if I just paid two hundred and forty-three million dollars, there we go for a Pro Bowl quarterback. There is no way in hell that I am sending out a kicker that's never made a field goal from that long of a distance before to kick that in the rain. There is no way. I don't know. And how they only mustered 16 points in that game is absurd. I, I Nathaniel Hackett is – he he's not on the hot seat, but he is among new coaches – He's the closest to the hot seat right now because that was an abysmal start to his yeah. era as the head coach. It was it, it was terrible. And the the thing I keep coming back to, what is Russell Wilson most known for? Fourth quarter comeback. Yeah, he could have he could have scrambled. I mean, it, he would have yeah, found I a mean, way to get are, a yard. You really, you know, they really hadn't. They did not run the ball with with Russell any in that game. So it would have, to me, it would have been a prime opportunity to kind of get him out of the pocket and give him an option to do either pass or run and, and put the defense in a little bit of a bind on fourth and five. And the other thing was they let 30 seconds run off the clock before they took the timeout. I don't know what they were doing. It, it, it was terrible. It, it was, it was awful to watch. And I, it was basically, you know how I am about NFL football. I just tend to get upset over dumb stuff, and I think that this is dumb, this this classifies as just dumb stuff. I, it makes it makes teams with really superb players look mediocre, and it drives drives me nuts. Speaking of mediocre, and hope, I'm only saying this because my wife doesn't listen to the show. Uh, the Cowboy season um, over. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I, They're not I, making the playoffs. It will be, it will be very hard for them to bounce back with Cooper Rush at quarterback, um, with the offensive line they've got right now. They just have so many issues, and I, they're playing a Bengals team that's going to be piping mad this week, and it's not going to be pretty. No, so they're going to be zero and two. And I think, and I think I looked at their schedule yesterday and. They could legitimately start zero and six. Joe Burrow is absolutely going to perform surgery. He is going to because he looked. Everybody was congratulating me on my Steelers winning. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can congratulate me on the Steelers defense 
kind of forcing a little bit of a bad day on Joe Burrow. But that's it. The that's, Bengals are going to be it. fine. The Bengals are going to be fine on on Sunday and for the rest of the season. Do you know what else would be fine if you could if you could make our listeners some money? Do we have any stone cold locks? Um, yeah, I got a few for uh, for this weekend. I'm gonna start in the NFL since we just mentioned that. Okay. Uh, I I like the Bengals. I like the Bengals against the Cowboys minus the seven and a half points. I think. Who that's easy? Like I said, money. I think cut off the way they lost that game last week. I think I think Joe Burrow is gonna be locked in. I think they'll I think they'll roll in that matchup. Um, there's not a ton else that I necessarily like in the uh, in the NFL this uh, this weekend. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a wonky slate just in terms of uh, just in terms of like you've got a lot of bad teams playing each other. You've got a lot of mediocre teams playing each other. You've got teams that you don't really know what to do with them at this point. Uh, coming coming into this week, so I think I think there there's a lot of that. Um, I, I will say I'll probably I will bet more games by the time Sunday gets here. But I'll I, right now I would also be inclined to take the Ravens minus three and a half against the Dolphins on Sunday. I think really? while the Dolphins look solid, I I I don't think I, I don't think the Patriots are a competent offense. Uh, the the Ravens are like the Ravens looked very sharp in the first half. And I felt like they kind of let it off the gas a little bit. And I think let their foot off the gas a little. And I think Lamar Jackson against his hometown team, I think he's really going to go out and show out. So uh, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the Ravens in that spot. Uh, we kind of alluded to a couple of the college games that I, uh, that I like already. I, I like Miami plus six going into Texas A&M Saturday night. Like Miami wow. has, I know they struggled a little bit last week in the first half, but six points against this A&M team that offensively doesn't look like there's much there right now. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I'll take Miami, the six points. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but I think they will keep it relatively close. Um, I also, I, I think Wake will cover 16 and a half against Liberty at home. Whew. Hartman looked great last week. That was the easiest bet I had last weekend. He looked great. <laughs> Extra motivation from Liberty. Uh, I think they roll pretty easily in that matchup. Um, uh, another one I I like. I like App State at home. It, it's a little bit of a letdown spot, but with game day coming there, I think it charges them up a little bit more. Uh, Troy has been okay this season, not great. And App absolutely smashed Troy last season. So I think App State will cover 12.5 points. Um, another line that I'm kind of having a tough time figuring out is how Auburn is only a three-point dog against Penn State. I know mm. it's in Auburn, but Auburn has not looked very good offensively yeah, sta- so far this season. So stay I'm going to take that. Penn State minus three points there. I'm going to take Penn State minus three there. I'm looking at the odds for the NFL just for giggles, and I, I see what you mean here. Like the New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns, the Browns are a six-and-a-half-point fa- fa- favorite, but I have no idea about those two teams. You just kind of got to stay yeah, away it, from stuff like that. I, uh, Panthers, Giants, who knows? Uh, Commanders, Lions, like there's just – Patriots, Steelers. Patriots, Steelers those, those awful. Are like, that's, that's awful. That's eight – those are – those are eight teams 
that nobody knows what to do with right now, and they're all playing each other. Colts, Jaguars, another one. I, I mean, Seahawks, 49ers. It's just a lot of that this yeah. weekend. Cardinals, Raiders. Most of the slate is that way this weekend. Next up, we'll be joined by Joe Serrera from the Greensboro News and Record and Winston-Salem Journal to preview this week in high school football. You're listening to Franchise Players, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. You got a franchise player. Welcome back to Franchise Players. JP Mundy, alongside Joe Serrera. Ryan has gone off to prepare for his Friday night game in the wilds of Danville, Virginia. This is the week where the rubber meets the road, right, Joe? Hey, yeah. Conference play starting for almost all of our area teams, and it gets interesting real fast. So we're going to start with the WTOB game of the week coming right up after we are done here. You're going to have Desmond Johnson and Rod Funderburk on the call for East Forsyth at Reagan. And Reagan has not been an accommodating opponent for the last few years for the East Forsyth Eagles. Now, only regular season loss last season for uh, the Eagles was at home to Reagan. Yeah, and I'm and I'm sure that's on the back of some of the, especially the people who've been there for a long time. That's something that, that the seniors remember. But is it... Is it odd for us to almost be saying that this is a de facto championship game? It's definitely may not be the championship game, but it sure is the driver's seat game in the Central Piedmont Conference. Well, it set the tone for the race last year with uh, Reagan pulling off the twenty-two to eighteen upset. That East, East was playing from behind the rest of the season. They they ran the conference table the rest of the way, but they had one fewer game because of, of COVID issues with an opponent. I, th- I believe it was Mount Tabor. Yeah, it was Mount Tabor. And, and Reagan had the hangover and lost to uh, Glenn the next week. So it's it may not be the de facto championship game, but it's it basically sets the script and the stage for the rest of the season in the conference, I think. Looking a little bit deeper into this matchup, Quayshawn Brown is now back. So now uh, Jalen Rayner has his wide receiver number one, plus all of his other toys to play with. Uh, you saw it last week, or when they de- when he debuted, rather. Uh, y- you saw how potent East Forsyth could be on offense. How are they going to be able defensively to keep up with this imposing Reagan offensive line? Well, I think they can't afford to turn the ball over. Both coaches, when I talked to this week, Josh McGee and Todd Willard, talked about avoiding turnovers and, and not getting not getting behind the chains. Uh, I think that, that's got a lot to do with it for both teams. That Reagan offensive line, I mean, th- in my mind, this is a game where Reagan wants to possess the ball, run the ball, hit you occasionally with some play action or something to keep you honest, but to run the ball and run the clock. 
and keep the ball. I think East, yes, East wants to hit you whenever they can, and they will. But I think it, it might not be bad for East to put together a drive or two for you know Todd, Todd Willard to go back to what he loves, the run game a little bit, whether it's Jalen Rayner keeping it or running it with one of their backs. I think the fact that Rayner is such a good runner gives them a path to control the ball if they want to go that way. But they're going to take any shot that they see with with Kayshawn Brown back. It was funny. Todd told me going into last week's game that he was going to sit out another game and that he was antsy and, and you know, he was okay with it. And then he catches five touchdown passes. So uh, he, he kind of uh, pulled a number on me there. But, you know, he's back and he makes that team so different. And he's a factor on special teams too. I, I keep wondering, and I, you know, not a lot of people made a big deal of it, but Reagan's home victory against Myers Park might have been a tone setter for this season for for Reagan. They're not as they're they're not far behind uh, from where they were last year, at least in my opinion. No, not at all. You're down fourteen nothing at the half. You come back and win seventeen fourteen. That that tells a, a lot about that team. It tells you that they can they can lock it down defensively when they need to. They did in the second half. That if they're patient, they're going to do good things. That offense is going to do good things for them. And they've already shown that they can play with a physical football team like Grimsley. North Davidson's a physical football team. And and Myers Park was. I mean, it, Reagan Reagan is ready for this game. East is ready for this game. This is this is a really really nice way to open a conference season. Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask the co- if you ask the coaches, they're probably not real happy about it be happening so soon. But <laughs> no, no, and and if you're if you're one of the other teams in the conference sitting out there thinking that you're a contender, Mount Tabor and Coach Tyshawn Brown, for example, you're thinking, good, let them let them beat each other up, let it be you know five or six overtimes, just beat the heck out of each other, and then we'll see them a little later. Yeah, and I, and I'm sure you know West Forsyth. Which I've heard some people call them, they're the best zero and three team in the area. Um, that's a good football team that keeps getting better and learning every week. That's led by a bunch of juniors. They're more than happy to sit back and watch these two guys battling out for one and two in the first week. Yeah, no question. And and you know West to me is a little bit like where Mount Tabor was last year in that they're very. Very, very young at a lot of spots. They're going to take their lumps. They're going to get better as the season goes on. It may not show. They may not, at 0-3, they may not get into the playoffs this year, but there's a long way to go. Seven games still left, but they're going to be good next year because of the experience these guys got. The same way Mount Tabor's young guys got experience last year, the same way East for Sites youngsters got a lot of experience in the COVID spring season. Well, you know, I think Ryan is done prepping for his matchup in the wilds of Danville, Virginia. Um, You know, and that's just in time for us to talk about what's going down in Pleasant Garden this weekend. Lest we forget the other huge matchup, this one in the Metro 4A, which involves Grimsley and Southeast Guilford. And I know a lot of coaches have their eyes on this one. Yeah, not a loss between either of these teams. Both three and zero. You know, the eye opener for Southeast was going to Dudley, going to going to the Tarp and winning twenty three to seven. Grimsley beating Reagan forty to thirty four. What was a fantastic game? Maybe not the cleanest game or the best played game, but a really intense game and a good high school football game. You know, I don't know if, if a lot of people thought Southeast Guilford would would be three and zero at this point. The Falcons and Coach Earl Bates certainly thought they would be, but. They don't. They're not sneaking up on people in that they've been a good, solid, strong football program for a long time, 
And Earl Bates has won wherever he's been, whether it was at, up at Eden at Moorhead, whether it was the one year he was at Southern Guilford, whether it was the years he was at Northeast Guilford before he took the Southeast job. He's won wherever he's gone. His teams are tough. They're physical. They're fundamentally sound. This should be another great football game. I mean, how, how much better can you start with, with number one and number two in the HSExtra.com poll playing in Pleasant Garden and number one and number three in the JournalNow.com coaches poll playing in Pathtown? I mean, it doesn't get much better. No, it's going to be a, it's going to be a huge weekend for high school sports. Ryan, where are you this weekend? Um, I, I'm actually off this weekend. On the bye this weekend. Sorry, you're just you're just sitting at home. You're just blowing us off for this segment, drinking adult <laughs> beverages. You act like I don't have a full time day job. No, Ron. Well, I mean, it, it is. I mean, I, I I guess you know whatever it is you do. You're like Chandler. Nobody knows what you're doing. The Chandler from Friends, or Tom, yeah, or Tommy from Martin. It lasted an entire series, and nobody knew exactly what Tommy did. But uh, no. Um, <laughs> Ryan's a newsman now, and he's probably getting used to some early, early hours. Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> one of the stories that that, that came up um, this week that may you may or may not have seen me tweet about was uh, uh, Nick Stevens from High School Overtime um, gave the details of how of what was going to happen as far as the Hillside Dudley result, and I just kind of dropped my opinion that. This rivalry should the hillside rivalry should go away. This this game should be should be out of there, and they should play Grimsley or somebody or Reedsville. Uh, I mean, Joe, where are you on this? Well, the the Dudley coaches were not thrilled about the, this this result. They wanted to play. Uh, it didn't happen. We haven't gotten. We we still have not gotten the official word from Guilford County Schools that the game is not going to be completed. Uh, they're just basically not answering, not answering any questions. If you've ever seen the old uh, TV show that was on FX a few years ago, Mister In Between, I don't answer questions. Well, Guilford County Schools doesn't answer questions, so we we're assuming that the game is not going to be completed. But listen the bottom to, line, listen to Joe. Joe's coming out swinging. <laughs> Hey, you know, and and Ben L. Smith has a new football coach. Scott Bell resigned during the week, and Ben L. Smith's athletics director can't comment on, on the fact that they have a new coach. So I don't I don't know what to say about that. But in my discussion with uh, one of the Dudley assistant coaches, what you suggested, JP, Grimsley or Reedsville, and I said, and if they can't get Grimsley or Reedsville for that date, well, there's some options in the triad. Matt Tabor was a pretty nice rivalry when they were in the same conference. Yes. Glenn is Glenn is out there. East Forsyth is out there. And if they really wanted to go kind of intersectional, Dudley could try to get a home and home with former with Dudley alumnus, former Southeast Guilford coach Kennedy Tinsley in Mallard Creek. Or they could go down to Charlotte and talk to Brandon Wiggins, the former Ben L. Smith coach, who's at Chambers, and try to get a home and home with one of those schools. The Dudley coaches know those guys really well. Those are two great programs, really good guys as head coaches and, and great staffs. But, you know, that's if they want to go outside the area. But Grimsley, Reedsville, Tabor, Glenn, East Forsyth, there are plenty of options. But the fact that um, it looks like Hillside was the one that was where that information came from, that's not going to make people at Dudley very happy, and uh, I could see that series possibly ending. We're at the end of a two-year uh, contract in the four-year realignment cycle, so yeah, things could change. 
I hope so. I had, um, the other big r- game this weekend, this is our WCOG game of the week. Um, we flexed out, um, which means I flexed out. And, <laughs> and You're uh, always flexing. I'm flexing. Um, don't, don't make Ryan say anything. Um, I got... <laughs> We are uh, we're going to Southwest Guilford this week, and by we, I mean Brett Wiseman and James Wilhelmy will be on the call for that game. Um, I have other matters to attend to the next couple of Friday nights, so Brett and the coach are going to fill in admirably. Uh, Paige coming to Southwest Guilford, uh, Southwest Guilford coming into its own as a team under new co- <laughs> under some new coaching, kinda, and. Uh, you know, and Paige just gets better every week under Coach Doug Robertson. Yeah, I think I think Paige was a little bit disappointed with some things in their last game, their loss at Mount Tabor. I think they were hoping to build on their their win over Reedsville uh, by maybe knocking off Mount Tabor too. But they're not. I don't think they were quite ready. They missed a few opportunities for big plays in that game. They got behind the chains with penalties all night. I mean, the big swing in the game came with a bunch of penalties, three on a brief series deep in their own territory to end the half that allowed Tabor to score at the end of the half. Then Tabor gets a second half kickoff and scores. And that was a two, a two for none there, basically swing. And that decided the game. But yeah, Page is definitely better. And Southwest Guilford has, has talent, has had talent for a few years. They just haven't quite put it together. This might be the year if they can knock off Page, I think they have, they're, they're going to be a factor in the Metro 4A. And their new uniforms are, are fantastic. <laughs> you mean the numbers are legible? The numbers are legible. The green on green, the, the green on dark green weren't, wasn't getting it for me. But, no, I, I'm, I'm real pleased um, that the Metro seems to be getting better because all the other teams, or most of the other teams, seem to be getting better as well. I, mm-hmm. I do have a question for both of you if you want to chime in. Um, if you are, because this goes back to what Joe said a couple of minutes ago, when you're thinking of out of conference opponents for a Dudley, who do you think, who do you think in our area, teams in Charlotte are, mo- are most scared to play in the off season? Chambers has not has shown it's not scared to play, but who definitely wants no part of Dudley if you're in the Charlotte area? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think. The teams, other than other than Weddington, the teams in Union County, just east of Charlotte, haven't come up here. Huff is Huff is another team that immediately comes to mind that hasn't played anybody up here, other than other than in the playoffs for a long time. Maybe people up here don't want to play Huff. I don't I don't know. That's uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Huskies were the team that ended East Forsyth's playoff run last year. Yep. But they have not had a lot of head to heads with teams in the triad, other than in the playoffs. Uh, Charlotte Catholic's another team like that that has not seen our teams up here except in the playoffs. Uh, with Charlotte Catholic, some of it is they they kind of play around the state. They'll 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 play teams in the triangle. You know they'll play teams all over the place. And then you've got Mallard Creek playing a bunch of teams out of state that are national programs. So, but uh, may, maybe Huff, I guess. If you're if you're trying to pin me down to one school. You know, that brings up another question. You've got guys like Cardinal Gibbons who have no trouble traveling all the way to Charlotte to get a game. Mm-hmm. But Cardinal Gibbons wants no part of going to Kernersville or Greensboro to play a Grimsley or an East Forsyth. Well, and Cardinal Gibbons doesn't play Charlotte Catholic. 
what, what sense does that make? I, I mean, I, you know, you, two, two of the four NCHSAA parochial schools in the state, the two big ones, the two that, that win state championships in football, don't play each other. Uh, but they play other teams in the, those areas, so that, that's a little strange. I'm not sure about that, but yeah, uh, would be would be great to have Cardinal Gibbons come over here and play. I mean, that's that's been a great program, and uh, you know they've they've been winning or playing for state championships for a while. You know, how hard is it? You know, you pack up those white on white uniforms, get in the bus, and come up to Kernersville, take your whooping, and go home. That's not a bad. I mean, it's. It's not a bad trip. It's a learning experience, you know. I I, I just uh, I, I'm kind of feeling my oats because I feel like I feel like our area is getting close to 2015, and I don't know I don't know if I'm overstepping my bounds there, Joe. But do you th- do you feel like we're getting close? Uh, I don't know. I think I think there have been a couple of years recently when overall things might have been stronger. I was at Reedsville last week. And Reedsville has a lot of talent, but if you if you pin me down, I'd say this is the weakest Reedsville team in a few years because they're not as strong up front on either line. I think that's it. That's a big hole there. Um, you've got East. You've got Reagan. You've got Grimsley. Maybe Southeast Guilford. Dud- Dudley's a little down. I don't think there's any way to get around that. Yeah, they've lost at home to Page. They. Uh, we're down 15-8 at Durham Hillside at halftime, and that may or may not ever be completed. It looks like it won't be. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too cocky about it. And I think it's a little bit – what you're talking about is a little bit like college football teams, Power 5 schools, trying to figure out what they're going to do with their three non-conference dates and not wanting to get so beat up that you go into conference play uh, demoralized or physically injured you know, you don't want to play three tough opponents. My alma mater, West Virginia, at one point doing their non-conference schedules out a number of years, there was one year where for a while their non-conference schedule was going to be Pitt, Penn State, and Virginia Tech. And they moved one of them out of there because they said, "That's we can't do that. We can't do that to our players. So you can't play everybody. And a lot of non-conference high school football scheduling is friendships and relationships between the coaches. You know, that that's why that, that – Dudley going going and maybe playing a home and home with Mallard Creek makes so much sense because Kennedy Tinsley's a Dudley guy and he coached at Southeast. He's from here. He's the coach at Mallard Creek. That that would make so much sense because of the relationships and and that's what a lot of it is about in non conference high school football scheduling. Well, you heard it here first, uh, Joe Serrera. That's Joe S I R E R A. Joe Serrera sure. Sports on Twitter. Yeah, um, said that Reedsville's weak and uh, <laughs> Dudley and, and yeah, Dudley yeah. and Dudley's weak. I'm just I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm jo- and it only took us to his credit 16 minutes to get to a West Virginia reference. Gosh, sure. let's T's and P's all the way to the West Virginia Mountain uh, Near family. Yeah. We are desperately out of time. Thanks for joining us, high school football on on the way here in just seconds on behalf of our producer Desmond Johnson my partner Ryan Stone and of course Joe Serrera from the Greensboro News and Record Winston-Salem Journal you guys have a great weekend we'll see you next Friday here on Franchise Players